Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for being with me for today's devotion. I know most of us have a lot of plans, you know, watching football, gathering with family, eating food, and I hope you have a great day. But I'm also thankful that you've joined me for this time in God's Word. We are starting the book of Esther today in the Old Testament, immediately after the book of Nehemiah, which is actually where it falls historically. Uh, Last year, we spent a lot of time looking at the collapse of uh, the Jewish nation, the fall of Jerusalem and their uh, captivity as slaves in Babylon. We read about that some in Kings and Chronicles, but also in Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Well, uh, this winter, later in January and February, we're going to read about their return from captivity to Jerusalem, rebuilding the city, rebuilding the temple, and so on. And we'll look at that in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. That started happening around 530 B.C. and on up for the next century or so. Esther takes place about 50 years after the first group of Jewish exiles returned from captivity to Jerusalem. So we're going to read her story because um, you may have it in your mind that all the Jews and their descendants who were taken away as captivities returned to the promised land when they were set free, and that's not true. Actually, a minority of them is a large number, but it was still a minority of them returned. Many of them, many of them stayed in the different places where they have been taken. Because now you're talking about the children and the grandchildren, and for many of them, that had become their home, whether it was in Babylon, Persia, other places. And so the story of Esther is about those Jews who stayed behind and takes place, as I said, about 50 years or so after the first exiles uh, returned. Um, Cyrus, the king of Persia, defeated Babylon, and he's the one that allowed the Jews to begin returning home if they chose to. It was their choice. When he died, Darius the Great became king in his place, and under his rule, Persia uh, reached its its peak uh, of of an empire, and and, and, uh, then he dies, and a man named Xerxes becomes king, and it's during his rule that the story of Esther takes place. In the Hebrew Bible, he's referred to in verse 1 as Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, that's King Xerxes of, of the Persians. <clears throat> and it's a vast empire. Just look at verse 1 real quickly of Esther chapter 1. Now, it took place in the days of Ahasuerus, the Hebrew for the, 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 the Persian king Xerxes, uh, that the, the Ahasuerus who reigned from India, notice this, the Haraz, I can't even talk today, Ahasuerus who, who ruled or reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces. Ethiopia, I mean India over in the, in, in the east in Asia, and then all the way down to Ethiopia and uh, in, in kind of north-central uh, Africa, if you will, just below uh, Egypt. It was a vast empire, and this is actually when they invaded Greek Greece. They they lost the battle to conquer Greece, but but it was a vast empire. And so this is when the story of Esther takes uh, uh, place. And Esther, who is a Jew, becomes a person God uses to protect the Jewish people from some evil political leaders who hated the Jews 
Now remember, Cyrus, who, who, who looked on the Jews with favor, as well as other ethnic groups, and let them go home, he's dead. Um, the, his immediate successor, Darius, he's dead. So it's a new time, and, and, and Israel, the Jewish people, have some enemies. And Esther, who is a Jew, becomes queen, becomes queen, and God uses her to protect the Jewish people who are still in exile from some, some, some uh, just evil schemes by people who dislike the Jewish people. It's, you know, it's, it's amazing. Not much has changed in the world, has it? There's still so many groups today who hate the Jewish people simply because they are Jewish, and that is, that's, that's more than a tragedy. It's pure evil. All right, now, the first chapter really is just a, a short story that sets the table, sets the stage, if you will, for Esther becoming um, queen. Queen uh, uh, Vashti um, offends the king, and he punishes her by removing her from her uh, position. Um, he's had this big feast celebrating his his success, and and he wants to parade her because she's a beautiful woman, parade her in front of all the uh, dignitaries and so on. Here's my trophy wife, and she refuses. And he consults his advisors, and they're so afraid that if everybody in the, in the empire hear how she treated the king, other women will be emboldened to treat, to treat their husbands the same way and won't obey their husbands. And so he's given advice that he follows, and the advice that he follows is in verses 10, uh, not 10, verses, um, um, let's see, 19, 19 and 20. So look at that. He says, if it pleases the king, let a royal edict, an executive order, so to speak, be issued by him, by the king. And let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media, the Persian, the Medo-Persian Empire, so that it cannot be repealed, that Vashti may no longer come into the presence of the, of, of the king and let the king give her royal position as queen to another who is more worthy than she. Don't, don't allow her ever to set foot in your presence again and remove her because we've got to make an example of her. Verse 20. When the king's edict, which he will make, is heard throughout all the kingdom, all the empire, great as it is, big empire, then all women will give honor to their husbands, great and small, no matter who they are. A woman won't dare disobey her husband. And that's exactly what he did. Um, what spoke to me in this chapter is just how badly the women were treated. <clears throat> um pretty bad. They're afraid that women will be encouraged to disobey their husband. And, you know, I've heard some men and I've heard some preachers, um, whether heard them speak or read something they wrote on Twitter, um, who have misused and abused what the Bible teaches about male leadership to treat women like second-class citizens. There's a lot of debate 
in these days about the role of women in ministry in churches within Baptist churches, Southern Baptist churches, about being a pastor, about being on staff even, or can you use, if you've got a woman who's your children's person, can you call her a children's pastor? A lot of debate about that, and that's okay to debate, to discuss those issues. But the language I have heard and the language I have read that some so-called men of God use when discussing this issue, the language that some, some, some preachers, some pastors have used when talking about women like Beth Moore and others is absolutely despicable. It reminds me of the men of Persia. And here's the thing. A follower of Jesus doesn't treat women like the men of Persia treated women. You just don't. And you don't talk about them like that either. Um, we talked about this a, a few weeks ago um, in, uh, in Peter. I think it was First Peter chapter 2 or 3, I think Wednesday a week ago. Um, we, we, sh- we should talk to women and we should talk about women with kindness and gentleness and respect and honor. And, and when we disagree with them, we should still talk about them like that and talk to them like that. Um, maybe a, a goal for 2024 for the men listening to this or watching this, the husbands watching this, is for each of us to treat the women in our life this coming this this new year with more respect than we've ever we've ever treated them and to never use any passage of scripture to teach, to treat women or to talk about women the way these men did because I don't think Jesus smiles on it that's the message for today and uh Ladies, uh, if you want to bring me some treats for helping you out today, uh, fudge with no nuts, really good. I'll see y'all tomorrow as we look at Esther chapter 2.